0: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
1: Time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, which is what we like to call it here. And I want to introduce today a guy who's been here many times. We're always glad to have him. The deepest voice in Hamilton. I got to work to get mine down to even compete. Uh, You see him on cable 14 doing stuff where he's, you know, fighting for things with other people. Lauren Lieberman, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Scott. <laughs> See, there you go. I can't, I can't compete with that. My, my roto router couldn't compete with that. My, my, if my muffler went, I couldn't compete with that. Although that would be close.
2: It's not a competition.
1: <laughs> when, when I was in journalism school, we actually had a segment where we had to do radio. And two of us were doing the reading that day and it got... We tried to do a low voice competition to the point where we said, this is ridiculous. We're trying to be... And the teacher told us we were fantastic. We went, really? We were trying to be idiots. And you told us we were... Anyway, who knew? Uh, speaking of a competition, there is a competition going on. I want to start with this today because we know that there is a mayoral and a council and a municipal election race going on. And today... We were told to look up in the sky today for something and I did along with a lot of other people and it was a plane and I thought, I actually thought for a few moments that I was going to be reliving the episode of WKRP in Cincinnati. I expected turkeys to begin falling out of this plane. Not sure that this, it was a plane that was hired by Vito Scro, mayoral candidate, and it was towing a banner that was so far away and so high up that I still don't know what it said. I'm assuming it said vote veto scroll for mayor. And it also said no LRT. I'm assuming it said something about no LRT as well, but I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking, you know, look, I, everyone is fully entitled to vote for who they want. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. And if you like the idea of veto scroll or of no LRT, What we're talking about now is not going to change that. And if you like Fred Eisenberger and you like the LRT, what we're talking about isn't going to change that. But I'm not sure this worked. I'm not sure that this was the thing that was going to push people over the top one way or the other. I'm not sure that in 2018 that, I don't know, what do you do? What do you do to get people's attention in 2018?
2: The message is resonating. We just got to get that name out there. How can we get... Vito's name in front of the entire city. Bingo.
1: Yeah, but it's got to be not... The plane can't be at 35,000 feet, and it can't be in Stony Creek the whole... I mean, as I say, I, and it wasn't really that high. I'm being, I'm being hyperbolic here, but it, I, I really... Like, I looked, and I really could not see it. And my eyes are... I'm not blind... It, and and if it did eventually pass over, it was only briefly. I, like, w- what do you do in two thousand eighteen? Honestly, like this was a, okay. So it was a good shot. I mean, look, you've got to try different things. But is it only social media and the internet? Is that the only way? And maybe signs? No,
2: because uh, that the entire city is not on Facebook. Um, especially the uh, people who vote the most use social media the least. So signs then would work. Signs is very important. The commercials
1: here on CHML would work. Both sides. Both sides have used that. Absolutely. I'm pretty much willing to guarantee. I don't know what's up on the commercial block next up or through this show, but I would be willing to bet money that before Mm -hmm. we're done tonight, you'll hear from Fred and you'll hear from Vito, both of them, on the commercials. So they're using that. I'm sure they're on TV. I'm sure they're in the paper. But I'm just not sure what you do to really get your message out and resonating? Or do you even need to when you have such a clearly divided election that this seems to be an election for mayor based on the LRT, do you need to go to all that trouble? Or do you just trust that people are going to decide who supports their side and vote for them?
2: Never underestimate how disengaged the voter is, how uninformed the voter is. And the voter doesn't need a whole lot to be engaged and doesn't need a whole lot uh, to be Enough informed to sway your way. Now, if I were running, I would rent a camel. A camel? A camel. And ride it down King Street with dragging a sign that says, vote for me for mayor and I'd bust my hump for you.
1: I thought you were going to say because that's the speed you'll be moving down King Street. (laughs) (laughs) With an LRT.
2: Hey-oh. I mean, that's where I thought you were actually going with
1: that one. I'm of the the opinion, we were talking earlier this week about school board trustees, Mm -hmm. which is, to me, the lost cause as far as elections, because people probably know who they're going to vote for for mayor and why. They probably have some idea why they're voting for their councillor. I don't think more than a handful of people research school board trustee. They get there and they pick a name and they go, oh, that... Name sounds nice, but mm-hmm. check it off, which is ridiculous because they have a huge, like $700 million budget. There right. should be effort put into this, right. but people don't. My opinion is I would put up, if I was running, I would put up a sign. I don't care what it says, it's got to be memorable. I would put up a sign saying, Scott Radley is a big fat idiot. Doesn't matter. No, as long as they remember your name, they're not going to remember what it was about the sure. thing. Just make sure they notice that name, and it somehow the the cotton ball catches the, you know the 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 velcro as it goes through the men, the uh, nice. mental velcro going through the head.
2: Traditionally, school trustees have been the um, NDP's minor league development system, and in this city, um, there have certainly been a lot of examples of that. So that's worth checking out. Again, though, I, I would bet you, and
1: I, I would love to do a, a, a poll on this. I'd love to do a test on this. I would bet you that if you went out and stood on any street corner in the city, pick your spot, I don't care where you go, and you said name one person running for school board in your ward, you might get 3% of people, maybe on a good day, who would know those names. Which is sad, which is really sad because mm-hmm. they're they're trying to run, they're trying to put an effort in, and I hope, I trust that they are trying to do it for good reasons and I just think it's a lost cause. But last night we were chatting. I asked you, the callers, I asked you, the listeners, to call in and tell me whether you thought there should be a debate specifically between Vito Scrow, who is the leading contender for the mayoral throne, and Fred Eisenberger, the incumbent. They are on opposite sides of the LRT. Should we have a debate with just the two leading mayoral candidates and that issue? The last caller who called in, Lauren, I think his name was John. Will help me with that one said, did you watch, though, did you watch the Cable 14 debate with the mayoral candidates? And this is not a shot at Cable 14. I mm-hmm. Mike Fortune and the folks there did a terrific mm-hmm. job. So today I did. As much of it as I could take. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and first of all, like, okay, all respect to the people who decided to run for municipal office, for political office. I have great respect for you for doing that. But this was... There were moments in this that I felt like I was watching the world's worst comedian on stage. That moment when you feel terrible for them, it was, it was awful. It was awful. And it made me even more convinced that despite what mayor Fred is saying, that he won't do a debate unless all mayoral candidates get to be part of it. Cause that's unfair. That is an absolute cop out answer from him that because this was a this was ridiculous. This was ridiculous. You have to whittle away the chaff
2: and simply say, if we're going to be serious about this, let's have this real debate. So I think there's a there's some things that could be done well before that. First of all, I think that running for mayor is serious. That it's important. Absolutely. And the city could do a couple of perceived undemocratic, terrible things like not make it a hundred bucks. Make it a thousand. That would probably get rid of some. Additionally.
1: And would that be undemocratic?
2: well it's unfair it's an advantage to those with money as their system is rigged against
1: well just a second though $100 would be unfair I, to some people i mean my point is let's let's if I, you can't raise $1000
2: you have no support of course but scott that's just a place to start okay. and and i don't limit this suggestion and these suggestions to just the mayoral race additionally if you are going to seek that kind of office you should take a civics class and either pass it or not. So you know what the heck you're talking about a little bit.
1: I, I don't think I, I'm with you. I don't think you need to understand every inner working of the city no, hall system. But, I don't believe that.
2: Some, and I don't mean a test that ensures that incumbents hmm. who obviously have more city hall experience. I don't mean That's like it. that, but I'm. you really need to spend a little bit of time. Knocking on doors in an election to see that people have no idea what level of government does what and I heard people that in no, this like, debate.
1: I heard that in this debate I heard right, but a lot the candidates of, don't know either. And that's who I heard it from. Right. I heard candidates talking about stuff they want to do that is not in the purview of a mayoral candidate. And so I'm looking and, and but again, let's get back to the point, although your your point is very well taken. You can, again, and I don't want to make this a political endorsement. That's not what this is about. But for me, hearing the current mayor say he won't do a debate unless it's all the candidates is only serving to guarantee that you can't have a serious discussion because there was
2: no serious discussion to be had in this debate. So Fred is not a world class debater. He's not a terrible speaker, but he's not the most uplifting uh, rah-rah kind of guy ever. And it uh, is seemingly a two-horse race. Why would he want to elevate Vito's uh, name recognition? As well as, I think that it would also be a disaster. I I talked about this on on Cable 14 this week, that if they actually did a debate on LRT, it would need fact-checkers, because they're both full of it. They're so extreme on what side of the fence they're on. There's no middle ground. And like anything, everything is gray. But shouldn't with an issue
1: that is the issue of the election. Mm -hmm. And I don't, maybe someone else is going to call in and say, you're missing the point. There's another issue. I don't think so. If this is the issue of the election, shouldn't it almost be mandated that we're going to have a serious discussion about this topic as opposed to somehow letting it slide. And then a week from Monday,
2: we say, oh, I didn't know that. But Vito and Fred... Have been debating each other, um, just not in the same room at the same time, and it's not going very well. So Vito says that the premier has been a hundred percent clear again. Said and, that today again, right? And Fred says no, he didn't. So what's the what's a poor cable fourteen viewer supposed to do? Who do you believe? And I'm I mean it when if their debate happens, somebody needs to hit the button, go ding. Actually, we have Premier Ford on the phone. So you know what, Fred, Vito, let's get to facts. And the legit media in this town isn't interested in doing that. There, there is a real task to be done here of what did he say and what did he say and who's talking truth.
1: We have 30 seconds left before we got to take another break. Do you think, though, and this is the other question I asked yesterday, if they had this debate, does it change one single mind in this city? Or is everybody so dug in at this point that you could have this
2: debate 25 times and no one's view is going to change? Yeah, I I think uh, if people had truth and facts, and I'm not sure all the facts are there to have, but people would absolutely be swayed if they understood properly. One way or the other. Could be either way. I just I would love to see this. Debated. It's getting
1: too close. It probably can't even be done now, yep. at least not to make an impact, but it should have been. If, if we're not going to do it, we can look back and say this should have been done. This is too important to not talk about. It's a billion dollars and it's eight or nine years or seven or whatever years of our city being affected in many, many ways. This should have been tackled.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Yeah, the uh, you've heard that, right? The Dark yeah, Side of, of the Moon record can, apparently, I've not tried it. I've, I've, I've never actually smoked a joint, so I've never been stoned enough to give it a go. But um, Is that true? It's true. I've never, never tried it once, never taken a puff. I've been in concerts where secondhand it has impurified me. I remember going to a, I don't know, a concert at the X one time, and the person next to me years ago lit one up that was thick as my forearm. I don't even know how he got it into his mouth, quite frankly, and it was, uh, thankfully, I was upwind, not downwind, but Hmm. um, anyway. But we are, what is it, the 17th? Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be high day in Canada, where everybody who can now get their hands on some is going to be toking up. And this has raised a really interesting question that we've been seeing all across the country, which is, forget all the Joe Blows and... Joe, Ann blows. I don't know. A female. What's the female Joe Blow? I don't know what that is. A Joanne Blow, I guess. Uh, never thought of it until this moment. Um, but uh, you know, there, that's fine. But there have been a lot of discussions and a lot of s- scrambling in the last few days from police departments around the country about what's our policy going to be on our officers and marijuana. And we have seen everything from. 28 days away from your shift, you cannot be smoking pot or consuming pot right up to what seems like the Hamilton policy is going to be, which is you just have to be fit for duty. Mm -hmm. Although the policy isn't officially out yet, which seems like, what are we waiting for? I mean, there's no rush, of course. It's only Wednesday that we have to have this in place. But anyway, what does that mean? Like, are you comfortable... If if Hamilton's official policy becomes as long as you're fit for duty,
2: what does that mean? I don't think it's a police thing. I think it's a workplace thing. Throughout, so are you allowed to have an alcohol drink on your lunch hour? Are
1: if you're you, a, a cop,
2: no. Uh, anybody? This applies. No, any, I well, think I'll, it's
1: different. If you're if you have people with guns who have the po- the power in our society to okay. imp- to enforce the law, and you could in a horrible circumstance discharge a firearm mm-hmm. at someone i think that your standards for sobriety should be higher
2: right cops aren't allowed to drink on the job right so they're not allowed to smoke cannabis on the job but we know from experience from from experts that
1: cannabis and booze are work their way through your system at a different speed right booze is basically 1 hour per drink and it is it is Working its way through, not exactly. No, you but can
0: still
2: blow over the following morning, right? That,
1: if you have enough crammed into I, enough time, right? I mean that that's true, but it's it generally they say that generally your body can work through uh, the average person one al- one typical alcoholic drink per hour is what's the word I'm looking for here the um, that your body can deal with it anyway, but, but metabolize. Thank you. You can metabolize one drink per hour. The average person, not everybody, mm-hmm. but you have six of them in an hour. Yeah, you can have six in an hour at midnight and in the morning you wake up and you're still blowing over. But they say that, that pot, that cannabis doesn't metabolize at the same speed for every person. Everyone's different. Are you comfortable with a cop simply saying, yeah, well, I had some yesterday, but I'm good to go now. Are you okay with that? Because I feel like I am fit for duty.
2: I think that we trust cops with prescription narcotics to be fit for duty I think it's very easy to hide alcohol consumption and we trust cops there there are all kind, and it's not just a cop thing there's all kinds of jobs do you oh, want your air traffic controller high? no absolutely not right so people who are in positions of uh, huge responsibility are going to have to be trusted with another legal product but should they the question is as much as we
1: trust them in their job, mm-hmm. should we be just trusting them on this one or should there be
2: something that is more laid out to say- Do we ask them to pee in a cup to make sure they're not overdoing their prescription narcotics? Do we ask them to take a breathalyzer for alcohol? There is no difference come Wednesday. Except, okay, legal you're right. Legal is legal.
1: You're right. The, no cop has that I know of has ever been asked to take a-
2: a blood alcohol test well, for drinking probation from being in trouble. Prior no, but to.
1: before he goes on duty, they yeah. don't, they don't blow into a breathalyzer to right. show that you're good to go. That's true. However, if a cop ever went out on duty and something happened and a complaint was filed or they discharged their weapon or they crashed their car or whatever, and it was found that they had been drinking, it is, it is merciless what would happen. They'd be charged not only criminally, but right. with the Poli- Police Service Act, there is clear you can't be drinking and being a cop. You can't be drinking and being on duty. Mm-hmm. Should there be something though that says the same thing that gives better guidelines than simply saying you must be fit for duty? Because again, my point is, what does that mean? To me, that seems to me that it's a very subjective view that you could have a joint five hours before and go, ah, I feel fit for duty now. It's worked its way through my system. Is that I mean, is that, is
2: that acceptable as fit for duty? The cannabis world is more complicated than the alcohol world as we pretty much have beer that has an alcohol content differential of 4 to 6%. It's marked right on the bottom. Right. Wine, um, which falls in the same alcohol level, and then spirits are generally at the same level. There is different THC, there are different strains, and... And they're not marked. No, you know when you it, buy them, yes, but you don't know if someone gives correct, you one or whatever. Correct. But as much as um, we all know people who have a better or lesser alcohol tolerance, um, the same would be um, for, for cannabis consumption. Let's pick this up, take a quick break. Back after this, stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: We're talking about police and drugs though. Well, not, I mean drugs. Yeah. Police and cannabis use and the different standards that different police departments across the country are putting in place before cannabis is legalized. Everything from 28 days before a shift that you can't smoke it, which basically means you can't smoke it. Can't smoke it. Because how many cops, I mean, I suppose if you're going off for a week, a month's vacation on day one, you can blow your brains out and then that's it. Get back to sober. And I don't know how honestly departments who put that in place are going to be able to enforce that. How do you know exactly that it was 28 days before except that maybe I don't know is the metabolizing time that there should be no evidence of cannabis in your system after 28 days? Maybe that's it. Maybe I think there's it's some in your fingernails and hair. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something that says that 28 days is the outside time that it should be cleaned out of your system. So if it's anything in your system, we know you've cheated. I don't
2: know. I think, Scott, if I may jump in here, that you and this entire discussion that the police associations are having um, has made a very naive assumption. Which is? That cops aren't smoking weed already. I'm not making that assumption. No, I, I would. So why would anything assumption.
1: change? I wouldn't make that assumption. Uh, that's a good question.
2: No, nothing changes on Wednesday.
1: I do think though, and we talked. We we've talked on this show. I and we had um, Dr. James McKillop, who was on here, who's the head of the Degroot School mm-hmm. of Cannabis Research. And one of the points that he makes, and I think it's a logical point to make, is when you announce that something is legal, especially when it's been the you know, the thing that you're not really allowed to touch is the forbidden fruit. Yes. More people are going to use it. There's, I don't think there's, any, do you have any doubt that come Wednesday, more people are going to use marijuana than are now? So I'm
2: not sure about Hamilton because I'm not sure our police are interested. No, I'm, I'm talking with the population. No, no. But way less people are going to be getting high on Wednesday because there will be nowhere to get it.
1: Um, well. Okay, maybe not on Wednesday the so day, let's but say going forward. Going forward, I think if you make something legal, the the thing that goes along with that is if it's legal, it must be okay. And if it's okay, and it sounds like it's a lot of fun, I'm going to try it. I I would I would bet all the money I have that more people will be using cannabis going forward than have used it up till now. Across Canada, Right across this country, there will be more. Because people who wouldn't otherwise touch it because they don't want to break the law
2: right. will Probab- say,
1: okay, I'll, I'll try it.
2: Maybe not regularly, but sure, Maybe it'll not. be a novelty. Maybe for not. Some, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll give you that.
1: And if more people are using it, I assume, and again, we know what assumptions are, but I assume if more people in the population are using it, I assume more police officers now that it's legal and they aren't risking their careers by having illegal substances they don't want to lose their job because they were caught with a joint or something cops drug-tested randomly no but no but again i think mo i I trust that most police officers as a rule try to follow the law most police officers know a
2: lot of cops that smoke weed scott come on i'll
1: take i'll take your word for it but i believe that most don't want to risk or haven't wanted to risk losing their jobs because they got caught with a joint or a bag of pot. And so whatever, but now that it's legal, I think many more will say it's legal, I can do this. So the question that, so I think it's logical that more cops will try it or will use it occasionally or regularly, I don't know. I go back to my point, I don't want a cop who has been drinking, handling a gun or pepper spray or driving a car at high speed for a chase or anything else. And I would say the same thing with pot. I I would love for Hamilton's policy simply to be better worded than what they've thrown out there as a trial balloon or what you call it right now that is fit for duty. Fit for duty to me is just way too squishy. You got to have something in there that offers some guidelines because everybody's fit for duty is going to be different. And if you have decided, if you were a cop, Lauren, and you had a joint the night before and you showed up for work the next day and something happened, heaven forbid, and you said, But I was fit for duty in my mind. How can you argue with that? It was my version of fit for duty. I thought this could have happened with or without a joint. I just think if you make it clear that here's the guidelines, you follow the guidelines. Makes it easy. Sure. Why why throw subjective
2: interpretations of what fit for duty is into the mix? Right. And if you're going to make cannabis the same as alcohol, you should have the exact same wording you have for alcohol, which is fit for duty. They don't outline how long it has to be.
1: We got to go to break, but if I'm a cop and I I, I have cops in the family, if you are home and you have been having a few beers at the end of the night and suddenly they call you and say, we've got this situation. We need you to report back in. You are supposed to say, I have been drinking. So they don't, so you don't show up half in the bag how you want to qualify this, what the wording is. Somehow though, it just, it has to be in my mind better than simply saying, if I think I'm good, I'm fine. Cause you may or may not be.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Are you a, uh, are you a nervous flyer or are you a calm flyer? Um, I, I,
2: I'm fine until about the three hour. And then I'm like a caged animal. Well, no, okay, so that's
1: one thing. But, I mean, when you're taking off and landing, are you white knuckles or are you okay? I'm good. Only once have I ever really been scared flying. Uh, It was in Papua New Guinea in the middle of the Hmm. jungle, leaving from a little dirt track in Wiwak, this little town in the north of Papua New Guinea. And we were on Air New Guinea, N-I-U-G-I-N-I, Air New Guinea. They don't even spell it the same as the country. And the pilot showed up wearing cut-off shorts and sandals, and I was like, hmm. And when we landed, we bounced three times. (laughs) That's the only time. Otherwise, I'm very calm when I am flying. However, not everybody is. And so there is this new issue that's going on where people have decided that they must bring onto planes emotional support animals. Mm. And they are expecting the airlines to say, if you need a comforting animal, bring it with you. So here are some of the ones, some of the animals people have tried to bring on to airlines in the last few years. And they all preface them with emotional support, whatever. So you've had your emotional support dogs. That one obvious.
2: obvious. Cats for sure. Well, okay.
1: Miniature horses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not
2: make the, someone tried that's your number three, we're in trouble. Someone
1: you? tried to bring an emotional support miniature horse onto a plane. That was not allowed, not oh. surprisingly. All right. Kangaroos. Sure. Possums. Come parrots. On. Hamsters. Ducks. Probably hamsters should have been earlier on. It seems like it's more in line with the homemade or the home pet. Ducks. Turkeys. Ferrets. Lizards. Snakes. Turtles and other animals. Uh, but this the reason I bring this up is because um, police at a Florida airport are now, uh, sorry, not police, but the people who run the airline at a Florida airport in Orlando, not, not uh, yeah, it was Orlando International, got in trouble because a woman snuck on her emotional support squirrel, <laughs> which got discovered before takeoff. And everybody had to clear the plane. I don't know. It's not clear if the squirrel like scampered and it was like the squirrel in Christmas Vacation. Squirrel! (laughs) But, and they didn't tell the people on the plane why they were being disboarded. They just told them that there is an incident. So now, of course, everyone thinks there's a bomb or something on the plane, but it was a squirrel. Almost. Should people be allowed, even if it's a dog, even if it's a cat, I mean, we're going to assume that if you bring your miniature horse, you're going to be turned away or your 24 foot Python. But if you bring, should you be allowed to travel with an emotional support animal of any kind? Or if you
2: can't fly, don't fly. No, you do not have a God given right to fly in the comfort of which you seek. So if that doesn't work for you, walk, drive, take a train, take a boat You don't have to fly, but see people would say that I have a
1: mental illness and therefore I am entitled because you have to accommodate my ability to deal with my situation. I'm, I'm guaranteed this woman refused to get off the plane. I would be willing to bet that that was something along the lines of the answer. She gave, I bought my ticket and I can't do this without the comfort of my squirrel. Therefore, I
2: must have this squirrel with me. So, I'm severely addicted to tobacco and I fly a lot. And I'd really feel better if I smoked. That's
1: your emotional support stick. cigarette. Yes.
2: Yes. What's the difference?
1: Well, uh, with certain animals, for example, a cat, I'm allergic to cats. Right. If I ended up buying a seat next to someone who had their right. emotional support cat, I would be blowing snot bubbles the yeah. entire way to where I was going and it'd be just a big mess. I don't know if, squ- I mean, squirrels, I guess, snakes. It's wh- communal.
2: The, no, the answer is no. It's lunacy. What if you bought a, the extra ticket in the seat next to you? Buy the whole plane. Fly private. Then you can fly with whatever you so like. So if
1: you bought one extra seat, you're no. not willing to let them. No. To, to have the space between you and
2: the next person. No. Can I do that with, can I smoke then if there's no one beside me? Scott, I tell you, I'll feel a lot better.
1: Well, I know. I know you would. And and I've I've wondered the same thing. I Not to get too gross. On Southwest one time where you don't get to, where you just, it's first come, first serve for seating. You yes. don't have a reserve seat. I sat down and the middle seat was open next to me and a guy came on and sat in that seat and I don't think he had seen a shower for a good week. And I didn't know, thankfully he ended up being moved for reasons that I don't know. But I was thinking, how am I going to fly on this plane for three hours next to this? Now, you can't force someone to bathe before they come on a plane,
2: but you can control what animal they bring. I was on a commercial flight not long ago where some family in front of me um, knew that they were not going to like the food offerings on the plane. And they took out their battery-powered cooking and began cooking their ethnic food. Stunk up the whole place. It was amazing. It was amazing. And it did get shut down. But once it was pretty stinky. As long as they're not cooking raw fish.
1: Cook the peel clean and cook the raw fish right on the plane. That would be
0: something. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: While we're talking about flying, let us fly over to England for a few moments. Because a story out of England this week caught my eye in a uh, for, for reasons that you will understand shortly the government of England has announced well public health England is leading this charge which is kind of like our public health system here uh, they have announced that they are taking drastic measures to combat Britain's obesity crisis and they are now telling restaurants and fast food outlets and everything else that they must For example, pizza places must reduce the size of their pizzas or reduce toppings on the pizzas. You must bring the number of calories down. The government has said, we're leaving this in the hands of public health England right now. But if this doesn't work, if it doesn't reduce our health crisis, we will legislate this into law that we will control the size of foods that you can buy here in this country. Good idea.
2: Never occurred to me that that would be even a thing in England. As I don't think of... Well, it's England. not like the States, I don't no, think. No, I don't think England's that fat of a country.
1: They say that they're having um, more than one in five pupils. Now, this is according to The Telegraph. More than one in five pupils are obese by the time they leave primary school, wow. including around 24,000 children who are classed as severely obese. This is apparently uh, the... PHE, the Public Health England's chief nutritionist, says the threat to children's health has been decades in the making. I guess it's the American influence, maybe. Would, sure. I don't know if it's I- fair to blame it on the states, but I mean, I get where they're coming from. But to me, this seems entirely misguided. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, first of all, if I, they're going to not reduce the costs. You know that's the the first thing, which is secondary to this whole issue. But if they're going to reduce the size of the pizza, they're not going to cut back on their costs.
2: I think that uh, people really underestimate the correlation between food cost and obesity, that if healthy food was the cheaper option, people people would would be eating it. Right. But if
1: people want a large pizza
2: and they reduce the size of a large pizza... It is your right to... Uh, Be as fat as you want. It's your right to have a miniature pony on a plane. Like, everybody can do what they want in the free world. No.
1: Do you not, does the situation not then arise that if they decide that a large is now a medium, that you just are going to buy a second medium? Sure. Like, is this really going to cut back on the obesity crisis, or is all it's going to do is raise the price of food for everybody? Because now you're going to have to buy two of them because your family's hungry. They're not going to yeah. be satisfied
2: with a medium pizza. I appreciate uh, government wanting their people to be more healthy, but this doesn't seem like the way.
1: What about the suggestion that has been thrown out there a bunch of times, not in this particular case, but by other people that we charge people more. Some insurance companies do. I don't know if, if yours does, because you're a smoker. Uh, if you're a smoker, you pay higher premiums on your health insurance in some cases. Yeah, of course. I'm don't. i I'm not a smoker, so I don't know, but I assume that... I know some of them do. I don't know if all of them do. That if you have, for example, what if you were to say that insurance companies, if you have a body mass index of a certain number that you were going to pay higher fees on that, that, that creates... A lot of people to blanch because I say I've got a glandular uh, condition. I've got a this. I've got a that. Body mass index is no indication. Pick something ha- else. Of your health. Pick though. something else. That if that if we say that you are, if your doctor de-
2: defines you as, you can be fat and healthy. It's harder. Okay, but it but it happens. And then if you're if you're going to increase rates, um, that would be discriminatory. What if. I'm throwing some
1: ideas out here. What if governments were, and I I know some have tried this too, to put a tax on junk food, a special tax that goes right into the health system.
2: Like a sin tax.
1: Kind of, like you have with booze or cigarettes or whatever else we're going to have with pot. What if you were to do that? Then it wouldn't be so cheap. And again, just raise the, you have to eat. This is the difference whether you can afford to buy or want to buy fresh food or fresh produce, whatever else, you got to eat something. And if you start raising the prices of the food that is available to some people, you're now going to have more kids, presumably, who aren't eating. Whether you like what they're eating or not is a different thing altogether. I just, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't feel like this is the way you're going to get obesity down. The way you're going to get obesity down, in my mind, or at least one of the ways is to crack down on what's going on in school and with worries about lawsuits and everything, you make kids have gym class again. Hmm. No excuses. You must, every kid must do gym class, and it's going to be 30 minutes a Get day. away from the screen and remain active. Do something. Yes. Yes. Do something. You. That's a start to me. That's at least a start to me because you can make kids not want to eat as much junk food as you want, but if they just sit around all hmm. day, you're not getting anywhere. I've been going to the gym every night after this show, pretty much every night after this show. Well, thank you. That's not the point. But I've also, because I'm doing that, I figured, you know what? If I'm going to put all the effort in, I want to see what's going to help me drop a few pounds and get in better shape. So I've been watching more videos and reading some more stuff about this. I'm I'm hardly an expert. It's just rudimentary stuff. the The number one thing that I keep reading is diet is incredibly important, but also. Just doing a diet with no exercise, if you, you, you have to do something mm-hmm. that really makes you sweat, really makes you go. Gets the heart rate up, lift some weights, do whatever. Diet will help. Exercise will help. You need to have them both. Yes. Right? Or else you're not getting anywhere. Just telling restaurants they can't give you big size portions seems to me to be misguided for the reason you said. A, because it's your right to have that if you want it. And B, because we're only answering half the problem. And the other one is actually the easier problem to solve.
2: Maybe the key is to put the order booth a half a mile from where (laughs) you pick up the food.
1: But isn't it right that that we're ignoring the easier one for the harder one? Making kids have gym class at school seems like the super easy, not solution, but part of the solution to this. And you don't have, yeah, if you've got a broken leg or a broken arm, I suppose, but because you don't like sports or because you're heavy or whatever, you don't get out of it for that reason. That's the reason you should be doing it. What was, it was
2: Hal and what was? Joanne. Joanne, yes. Yes. Participation. Right. We need, we need them everywhere in every country. I met Hal once. He's an enormous man. He must've been 6'8". He he did Amazing Race, Amazing Race Canada they were on once upon
1: a time. Big, Big man. I just don't understand. Like governments, they get ideas and think we're going to solve this problem, but they do it in ways that a only antagonize people. Didn't Mayor Bloomberg want to limit the size of your your pop? You couldn't buy the super jumbo big gulp or whatever. But I could still buy two larges. That's right. There wasn't a limit on what you could buy. Right? So you could buy, yeah, you can only buy one tub of you, Your ice cream has to now, instead of being in two liter tubs, has to be in one liter tub. Well, I'll just buy two. Okay. Well, how, now you've just got more packaging. Now the environmental people are mad at you because now, there's more packaging. Everybody's mad at everyone. Yeah. There's, we seem to have created a society that wants to solve this the hard way as opposed to well we're not dropping food prices it doesn't seem so that's not it but we don't want to get people active we don't seem to anyway i don't see the push on i see the the push for those who are really eager and willing right if you really want to go to the gym if you really want to get in shape there's lots out there for you to be able to do that if you're motivated to do that but for those who are not as motivated You could, in our society now, go through as a kid in school and on and on. You could go through life without ever having to break a sweat pretty much. And I mean, literally.
2: We hear a societal lament here in our culture all the time the kids spend too much time in front of their screens. What we don't hear is what the kids should be doing. doing instead and the motivation to get them to do that. And
1: well, and then when we do send them outside. Different city councils say itself. you can't play football or hockey on the street. No. You can't play basketball in the street. So get back in your house. Can I toboggan down the escarpment? No, you can't do no. that. Well, you can in some places okay. now. But yeah, we've found ways every time there seems to be an effort to get kids outside, we find a way to send them back in. Because house home is what? Home is safe. safe. You're safe I'm, in the bosom of your home. I don't want to get hurt. Nobody wants that. You oh, can't scrape can, your knees. I'm knee just going to get big thumbs. Big muscular thumbs. Yes. You're going to be an outstanding hitchhiker. <laughs> Do kids hitchhike anymore? I don't even know that. I don't think so. I mean, not six-year-olds, I'm hoping, but no. teenagers
2: as they're traveling. Does anyone hitchhike? So. I haven't seen a hitchhiker in ages. No. In the 80s, that was my primary. Uh, Occupation? Abs- no. no, it wasn't really a job, but it, it got me from A to B.
1: I've, You know what I've always wanted to see? This is totally off topic. I've always wanted to see someone standing on the side of the road. Wearing a Jason mask, holding a chainsaw with a th- with their thumb up, hitchhiking, <laughs> just for fun, just as a laugh, just as a chuckle. Since we, that's what we think everybody who hitchhikes is is a mass murderer. Just play it up. I thought that would be hilarious if you drove by and I saw think that you'd get I I don't think you get a lift, no. but you get a laugh.
2: Fair.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML
1: in studio with Lauren Lieberman, uh, who you see on Cable 14 with regularity. And Lauren, this one is uh, boy, uh, this is one of the to- this is one of the things that I-, I argued that this was going to happen some time back, and I got laughed at, and very often, when I predict something, it's wrong. I'm not Kreskin. But I saw this one coming a million miles away, and now it sounds like it's going to. That is, uh, the Toronto Sick Children's Hospital is now dra- developing a draft policy for doctor-assisted suicide, doctor-assisted dying, so kids that are under 18, children, will be able to make that decision when the time inevitably comes that a court rules, well, why should adults be allowed to make this decision but not a child? This, to me, is the... There's a lot of people who support doctor-assisted suicide. This, to me, was the slippery slope, was the door that you opened that you didn't want to open, that the government said wasn't open, but I said the first time a kid goes to court and says, I've got terminal cancer, I've got something, I've got some disease, I've got some mental health issue, I want to die, the court is going to, the Supreme Court will allow them to, now we're seeing they're drafting the policy for that inevitability. This to me is a horror show. This is exactly what we don't want. I think. Wow. Are you, whether or not you and I, I you can tell me you're not it doesn't really matter whether or not you're in support of physician assisted suicide does it not give you the severe heebie-jeebies to think of a 10-year-old deciding they want to end their life because they have some illness it does to me makes me makes me incredibly
2: uncomfortable no what's what 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 is actually getting me Scott is thinking about a child at the age of 10 who is so sick that he would even be thinking that way. Well, that's, that's what's getting me here. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that I agree with you. Um, but this is, this is pretty heavy and I'm not sure I want to come out on one side or the other. I'm, I'm, I am absolutely torn. I see your point. Um, but for all the reasons that we allow it for adults, why wouldn't we allow it for children? Here's why,
1: here's why. And this is the reason. And so earlier, was it earlier this week or late last week, if you were listening to the show, we were chatting about this situation in Hamilton where a 16 year old at the time killed a person on a Hamilton street, stabbed him in the heart and got three years in custody for that. It was something that would have got him life in prison if he'd been an adult, but I because know. he's under 18, he was 16 years old. We have decided in this country with our youth justice act that at 16 years old, you are not mentally, emotionally, intellectually capable of forming the knowledge that what you did is Wrong, I guess that's the only interpretation I can possibly have for why we would tell a 16-year-old who I think is old enough to make that decision. But we have decided, as a 16-year-old, you're not old enough to fully comprehend the severity of taking someone's
2: life. Right, and that's why we have guardians for for minors. Would you suggest that? But we don't. But parents are allowed to call that for their terminally ill child.
1: But if well, hold on a second. If We do have guardians for them, but we still say at 16 years old, you are too young to fully appreciate the severity, the importance, the significance of killing someone else. And yet we're now potentially going to say, but you're old enough to make the decision to kill yourself. That seems to me to be antithetical. Or
2: or you're now old enough um, to end your pain and suffering. I still... Well... I understand where the people who
1: who support doctor assisted suicide are going to make that case, and I, if you are a, a a kid who has some sort of horrible terminal cancer, I can understand where the argument is going to be that they're going to make. But again, where we come with this, and this is this is my concern all along, is the slippery slope. And people always scoff at the sliffer, slippery slope idea. I still believe, and here's where it really gets complicated. I still believe that despite the government's insistence that this will not be the case because we've heard that mental illness will not be allowed as a physician-assisted suicide thing. It has to be a physical condition. Somebody is going to sue for the right because they have horrible depression or something else that is fixable, that is curable, and they will be granted. I'm sure they are going to be granted the opportunity to have doctor-assisted suicide to end their suffering. And All these things are going to come. We will eventually have situations. I'm positive that children will be allowed to make that decision about whether to end their suffering because they have a mental illness at nine or 10 or 11 or 12. This is the, this is the path you go down step by step by step. And I'm looking at this thinking that to me is outrageous. These are conditions that are unbelievably difficult. I'm not, I'm not arguing that that depression and mental illness are not horrible things to go through, but the idea that someday down the road, we could have a 10 or 12 year old child who has a severe case of depression and makes that decision that I would rather end my life. And I'm going to have the state and the doctors behind me to help me do that to me is that we're heading down the path that we can't do. We can't do that.
2: Um do you uh, do you support it for uh, for adults
1: I don't I don't again for a variety of reasons but one of them is because of the inevitable slippery slope. slippery slope that you can't we have seen too many times in our society where you open a door to something and it automatically you can say we'll never do that it'll never go there but uh, the courts
2: always allow it in inevitably. addition to that though the sanctity of life that shouldn't be taken that way. Or like, That's you, what I believe. Okay. That's what I believe. But, and so
1: I can hear, I, I can have the discussion with somebody who would argue for physician-assisted suicide for a 55-year-old man who's got some sort of terminal cancer. I may not agree, but I can wrap my head around where they're coming from in that discussion. All right, I, I can do that. I can, I can understand at least where you're coming from. It's my belief though, that it will never end there. That's not where the law will end up being. And we've seen this with other things that once you've said one person can do this, why can another person who's in a slightly different situation, either because of age or whatever else, not do this? If we have argued, Lauren, as we have now, Ted Michaels, who does the mental health show on Mm -hmm. CHML and does a terrific job with it, and many other people have argued for a long time that mental health is an illness like all other illnesses. Mm-hmm. And I think most people now accept that as a truism to the most part, mm-hmm. that it, that because you have a mental illness, it is a legitimate illness. It's not you just being weak in the head as they would well, have said once upon a time. Everybody
2: knows that alcoholism is an illness, but not very many people accept that. I,
1: so. I don't think too many people look at depression and say you did something to cause... I think most sure. people look at, most, I think most people would look at it as a legitimate illness. now. So my point is, mm. if most of society is now accepting that mental illness is an illness like a lot of other things. Right, then why, what's the difference from one disease why, to the next? Why, if you can, feel like you can't escape the trap of depression... Why is that not allowed, but not escaping the track of cancer is allowed to end your life? I, it's inevitable that this thing is going to end up, yeah, that the I'm, door is
2: going to be kicked wide open. I'm not with you there. I don't, um, I, I, I don't see that as, as a divergence, right? If diseases are diseases and euthanasia is real, then it should be across the board. That's what I'm
1: saying, that I think it will be down the road, I, that it will be allowed. I support allowed. that. Yeah. It, oh, okay. Yeah. And if we start, and again, if we start doing this with adults, there is going to be a kid who says, I, why am I not allowed to then, to right, end my but, suffering? And where, I, and ultimately where this thing goes down the path, and again, not to be repetitive, but if we follow this trail where this is going to go, you could have, and you probably will have children who will be wanting to end their suffering for mental illnesses. And that to me is a, it may be a few years down the road, it may be a decade down the road, but as soon as we open that door, boy, we're in trouble. We are in a lot of trouble because there are kids whose conditions are curable or fixable or made much better. And I don't, I don't, I don't think we should be wanting people to just be doing this because it's really hard right now. I don't. Love to hear from people, by the way. Your my email is radley at nine hundred chmlcom Let me know where you stand on this one. But when I read that the Sick Kids Hospital is now, and here's the other thing they are they're draw, drafting this policy for eventual youth euthanasia. Is that a repetitive term? Mm. Um, First time I ever heard about euthanasia, I was very young and I actually didn't know what, why they were doing it on the youth in Asia. It was a school project. Uh, you learn. But if 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 they are acknowledging that despite what the government says that, yeah, we're going to have to deal with this soon. We know, everybody knows it's going to eventually be the case. That it's going to be thrown open to everybody. We all know that. I think, if we're being reasonable about it. If even the doctors and the administrators at the largest children's hospital, we all know it's going to happen. If Canadian
2: adults have the right to end their pain and suffering, why can't children have that right? That that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense? They should have the right, uh, you're saying. They
1: should have the right. And if we have other issues in our society where we're now giving children the rights to make decisions, long-term, impactful decisions, we have children who are... Who were born boys who are transitioning to girls at very young ages and vice versa. Now, we're allowing those children those decisions that have long term impacts on their life. I don't know if it's exactly Sorry, the it, same. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are, ki- there are Without kids. Without parental no, consent? No, no, no. With, with parental okay. consent. Yeah. With parental consent. But nonetheless, the parent is there as their guardian. The parent guides them. The parent doesn't know exactly what's going on in their head, they have a good idea. But I don't know if anyone – can you – if you knew someone who had depression, bad depression, do you know exactly what they're going through? Do you know exactly – none of us do. It's only the person who's going through it. Yeah, but it's
2: not even – Scott, nobody knows what anybody else feels uh, aside from mental illness, any kind of illness. True enough. No, true enough. Anyway, I I look at this one and I'm – What a yucky topic. Well, it is.
1: But it just, when they put out, when they started drafting yeah. this thing, I said, this is exactly what we've been saying all along, that despite the assurances that this will never happen, even the people who are in these hospitals are saying, of course it's going to happen. You are, Kreskin. That's the conclusion. No, no. Here. Well, uh, maybe on this one thing. All right. We'll take a break. We'll move on to something far less. Ugh. Yeah. Something upbeat. I'll find something upbeat. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: You hear this story this week about the woman on Puget Sound who was out whale watching? Did you catch this story? No. So she and her family decide to go out and see some whales in, you know, Puget Sound is way on the Pacific coast there in the place where people go to see whales. It's If you're going to go out there to see whales in a place where you would go to see whales the underlying fact is there's probably going to be some whales, which there were. Okay. So, all, so far her day seems like it's going pretty well. This is the plan. We're going to go out there. We're going to see some whales. Hey, look, there's some whales. She freaks out when, when the whales show up right next to her boat. So what's the natural thing that you would do if you're in a boat way out in the ocean and whales show up? What would you, What would your response be? What what do you think you would do? Any guess? Any thought? What would come to mind? Not lean over and no, no. She didn't do that. No, she freaked out because the whale was under the boat. So naturally, as all clear thinking people would do, she called nine one one. That's amazing <laughs> to report the whale under her boat. That. Um, yeah, that they were going to get, uh, I'm out in Puget Sound and there's three gray whales and I'm afraid we might get flipped over and I'm really scared, she said, to 911 operators. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this, is a, this is a lesson about human thought and thinking and non-thinking. What exactly, if you're out in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> are you thinking the 911 people are going to do for you? What, what do people think 911 is for? We had the story a while ago about the little kid who called nine one one to help with his math homework, but he was like seven. That's understandable. This is a full grown
2: woman. <laughs> uh, let's blame it on panic. Okay, but still, what are what are the
1: cops going to do when the whales are under your boat, ma'am? We'll be right there to shoot sure. them. Is that what I mean? Is that the is that what the hoped answer? I don't know what the Hope answer was for. Do
2: you know the one about a whale? Calf baby being the second biggest um, baby. What's the biggest? So, uh, I'm a Montreal Canadian fan. But, 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 a, <laughs> but, a, but a, oh, all right. I didn't quite tell the joke, right? But you get the point. Here's the funniest part about it. And
1: here's where our society has gone completely bonkers. All right. I'm hoping that this is a joke. N- not this story. The story is true. Mm. But I'm hoping the the subsequent fallout from this is a joke but if you read the tweets and the other social media response to this it doesn't sound like it was this woman while being mocked for freaking out as we are doing and calling 911 sure. which was pretty stupid but that's only part of what came up she was accused by whale lovers of being whalest hmm. yeah. <laughs> she is she is right. whalest because she Pan- she thought the whales had malicious intentions or right. something. She had right. a preconceived.
2: Oh, it's terrible! I hadn't even thought of that. against the whales, right? How Ma- could she dare? Maybe she had a previous bad whale experience. She was biased against the whales. Well, with all we've seen of how whales are portrayed in the media, how could you blame her?
1: With Free Willy being such an evil character. I mean, when was the last time a whale was actually seen as a bad guy, Orca, with G- Bo Derek once upon a Maybe time? Maybe she's a descendant of Captain Ahab. <laughs> Could be. Who I just I'm I'm stunned that there are people out there whalists who actually constructed the word whalist mm-hmm. and probably really believe that there are whalists out there among us who mm-hmm. live to hate the glorious species that God created that swims at the in the deeps and Rises
2: to blow its blowhole every that once in a while. sounds as funny as anti-dentite.
1: An anti-dentite from yes. Seinfeld, right. yes. <laughs> whalists. Yes. Uh, is there anything that you cannot add ist to to make someone into a horrible creature? I, I will. I mean, this woman, this woman to me was a little goofy, but I'm not believing that she was a hateful person against the whales until the whalists
2: came to her there's a segment of uh, society especially here in Hamilton uh, on social media that will always let us know what the new terminology and what yeah
1: but i think if you just add ist to anything i think so see cuz you got i mean the common ones are the sexist hmm. the racist yes. a homophobic but that's an ick that's yeah. not an ist um, but you could literally i mean i i'm surprised misogynist. that we misogynist we i'm surprised we haven't had the lrtists that would have been one that would have made a lot of sense. It's, maybe it is out there. I don't know, but that would have been one that I thought. Um, but yes, you can add "ist" hmm. or "ism" to anything, and uh, it immediately makes the person not an object of ridicule or an object of hilarity. Right, just now a bad person, a bad person. Yeah, this is an e. This woman is no longer just a little bit goofy for calling nine one one. Because she f- was scared of something, even though the 911 operator had no way to help her or do anything.
2: Yeah, She's she, now evil and hateful. She has an unhealthy uh, negative bias towards whales, and that's got to stop. That really does have to stop. I, again,
1: imagine how. It's Free 2018, Willy, Scott. Free Willy was, you know. I mean, he was black and white, so she couldn't be any. You know, there was no. It wasn't the color of his skin, it was just maybe the size. Maybe she was you know, whalist is about size. I I mean, who knows what the reason would be that someone would, but it's true. She's a whalist. Stupid mammals. (laughs) All right. Well, there's your, uh, there's your ludicrous story for the day.
0: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.